They had a stool for Nolan to stand up here so he could look out and see everybody. And then Lowell put a computer up here. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm looking, I could see Nolan every once in a while. <laughs> but I appreciate again <clears throat> Nolan reading the scripture. Reminding us all of this, this is all temporary anyway. Longing for something far greater than that, and as the title suggests, prayerfully we're striving to be homesick for heaven. Tents and mansions and dwelling places, our imagination can run wild. We've seen images here and there of mansions, those of tents, and some of them really stand out, and some are reminders to us again that even the mansions that we see here in the physical world one day seem to disappear or vanish away. It's always been interesting thinking about tents when I was over in Israel and we'd riding around and we'd get up on the hilltop and there'd be a shepherd out there and he'd have a tent out there that he lived in, <clears throat> except for him, he had to this was back in the 80s, he had a television antenna coming out of the top of the tent, and he had a Mercedes-Benz parked next to the tent, uh, trying to make the best of two worlds. <clears throat> Think about a tabernacle or, or a mansion or a, a mansion or a dwelling place that's more sturdy, but then you think about at least the images I've seen of the temple in Jerusalem, of how magnificent it was, and yet it was only temporary as well, and it's gone as well. All that we see here is only temporary. And Paul, through the help of the Holy Spirit, is trying to help us to see this contrast between a tent and a house or a tabernacle. Tent again being destroyed. A reminder to us that this is what we have. We have an earthly tent. James reminds us in James 4 and verse 14 that our life is just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And it's hard for us, again, to catch that even with the, what is eternal for us as we perceive it, this heavenly galaxy that we live in, of always being reminded of it being temporary. All its beauty and all it beholds, again, is only temporary. We are indeed looking for a house or a dwelling place that is eternal in the heavens. And there's no way for us to fully comprehend that. John reminds us a little bit in John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus is speaking. In my Father's house are many mansions. Again, the house and the mansions are to help us with something, or trying to help us to get an image of something that is more permanent than an earthly tent that we may dwell in. My father's house and many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. 
And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, that where I am there you may be also. That beautiful concept of that preparation by God, by Jesus, of something that will be eternal for us. And so much so again that he has promised that he will come and to receive us unto himself that, the, that we indeed may be there. So do we groan earnestly? Do we groan desiring to be clothed with that habitation from heaven? It is so easy to become attached to this world. It is so easy for us to get caught up in the things of this world. Things that we pursue, the things that we see as maybe permanent or more permanent than other things, but do we earnestly desire and groan? This isn't home. This isn't the dwelling that we want to have eternally. We long for life. We plan and prepare for it. And then we often find out that it's not exactly what we thought along the way. It's interesting that as whatever age we may be, we have our own perception of what is good, what is nice, and what is what we would conceive or perceive as being permanent along the way, and then to see as whatever age we are how that changes over a period of time. And to remind ourselves it's not like it used to be. Those of us that are older, remember the times when we gathered at grandmother's house on Thanksgiving, the big meal that was prepared and the you know, and all that goes along with it. And then we live in a society where you can buy a turkey in the store and pop it in a, a slow cooker, and that takes care of everything. Uh, and it's not quite the same. And we look at things fondly as maybe the way they were, long for days along that line, but then we forget. We talk about the good old days, and then you remind that when you actually lived them, they were not all that good. Remember in high school, a classmate and I were talking one day and had made the comments. He said, you know, we were approaching the end of the senior year and school being over. and said, you know, one of these days we're going to look back and we're going to think of these being the good old days. We didn't necessarily think of them at that time as being good days, but one day that we might be able to do that. But for the Christian... The anticipation is never looking back. It's always looking forward. The greater things lie ahead. Things that we are not able to even begin to comprehend along the way. We're looking for this mortality to be swallowed up by life. We're looking for that time when as a Hebrew writer would express it in the 11th chapter of that book and in verse 16. 
But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. That concept that God has prepared us for eternity. That he's prepared us for an eternity with him. And as a result of that preparation he has made, and it being a perfect preparation, but dealing with imperfect people, but even as it's perfected in his way, it says he is not ashamed to be called our God. You ever dwelt on that for a while? Dwell on the concept of God not being ashamed of his children. We stumble, we fall, we come up short, we're imperfect, do not always respond in a way that we should respond, do not always act in a way that we ought to act. And God already knows that. But he also knows that we can make a choice that of our own free will, based on what he's provided for us in a created universe, in a created world, that we can see of his nature through the the scriptures to see of his love and that we of our own free will could choose that that's what we want. That we could want to choose to live a life that may be filled with adversity, trials, tribulations, persecutions, destitute, hunger, thirst, nakedness, whatever it may be, but that we could long for this place called heaven. And as a result of that, we are encouraged by God that he is not ashamed to be called our God. He's given us help along the way. Back in, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 22. 21 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us and has anointed us is God who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God is confident that there are those who would love him enough again to serve him, that he has given to those that would be his children 
the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. The down payment, as we would use the term sometimes, an earnest money, that when you buy a house, you put down an earnest money as a guarantee to saying that you are promising that there is more coming than what you have right now. And he's given us the Spirit to remind us that he has promised us he is going to give us more than what we have right now. It's called heaven. What Paul was writing to the Corinthians about. This eternal dwelling place in heaven. Not made with hands. A place again that Jesus says he's gone to prepare a place for us. And that God says he's prepared this city for us. And therefore he's not ashamed to be called our God. Paul would tell the Corinth or the Ephesians basically the same thing in chapter 1 and in verse 14. We were sealed in verse 13 with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The guarantee of our inheritance. One of those things, again, it's not quite like we have on earth. You may have an inheritance coming to you. It may not be exactly the type of inheritance that you would want to receive. It's always interesting to see the generations come down through time. And being told, the grandchildren, you're going to inherit grandma's, whatever it is, or her linen, or china, whatever else it is, and, and you find out grandchildren have no interest in it. Their desire is for something else. But we have a guarantee of an inheritance that is eternal in the heavens, that does not fade away that is beyond our comprehension and our ability to even imagine what it's be like. Talked about an eternal day. How do you describe an eternal day? How do you even begin to understand what that is? We never leave the presence of God on this earth. He's always there. He's around us and what he's created. But everything that we cherish here, all the, the jewels that it can be described to give us some type of imagery of heaven, all the jewels, the precious metals and, and, and gems are, are gone. And there'll be this eternal day. No need for the sun, for God is its light. There is no night there. All the preciousness, the things that we would want, are going to be there in a way that we cannot fully comprehend. And so to help us, God has given us his word. He has preserved it for us. And he's done it in a marvelous way that is beyond comprehension. Just the preservation of his word for us. But that is just, for us now, it's just paper and ink. Or it's an image you have on your phone or on your computer. But it gives you a promise. 
And they ought to be in some way, some form, some shape, some fashion. A homesickness for heaven. I enjoy the life here. We're the beneficiaries of things that man has developed over the years that are beyond comprehension. Enriched our lives, lengthen our days, can give us good health. And yet, it is not home. Do we have that longing for home? Do we see it as home? Do you see yourself as just a pilgrim, a stranger passing through? You can enjoy the pleasures that, or the beauty that this earth has to offer. Those who have traveled abroad understand that as you go to different countries. And you see some of the beauties that are there, natures and some of the things that man has created. Is it, but it's not home. Had a good friend that anytime they took a vacation, almost from the time they left the driveway until they got back home, she was homesick. She'd go, she would enjoy, but she wanted to be home. Is that our concept spiritually? I enjoy it here. I want to stay man's allotted days, wherever that may be. But it's not home. I'm homesick. I desire to go and to be home. I want to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. So we make it our aim. That's our purpose, our singleness of mind. Make it our aim. That whether we're gone or here, that we will be well-pleasing to him. Want to be well-pleasing to God. Grateful for his being the Heavenly Father. Grateful for the love and the mercy he's shown upon us. Grateful that he bears with us as we stumble and fall through this life. Grateful for his encouragement not to be satisfied here or to be satisfied with life here. To live it to its fullest, to enjoy it, but to long to be there. Knowing that we will all one day appear before that judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Without the blood of Jesus, without its ability to wash our souls clean and to allow us to stand pure in the eyes of God 
that statement. To receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Without Christ, without his blood, there is no good. And that's a very sobering thought to even reflect upon. To receive eternal consequences for the foolishness of a life here without Jesus as Lord and Savior. And without an anticipation and a desire for eternity with God in his house. God in his love and his mercy, long-suffering and forbearance has given us life each breath that we take. And as he's given us that life, he's also given us that opportunity in which to reflect upon who he is. We can do it in whatever way that we want. Open up your eyes, look around, and see his created world. Take time to just look at your own body. Think about the one who designed it and made it. And that all that it holds and beholds and is capable of doing, it is only temporary. What must eternity be like? That eternal spiritual body. Is that your longing? Is that your desire? God grants us time to make that choice. Gives us help along that way. But God also reminds us very plainly in the song that we're about to sing. There is a great day coming. There is no denying that. There is no escaping that. There is a great day coming. And as the song suggests... It can only be seen in one or two ways. It's either a great day for the child of God or it's a sad day for the one who's not ready for that day. What choice are you making this morning? Where is your life? In light of what God has said through his word. There's a need to make a change. To bring your life in harmony with his will. To ask for his strength, his help. To be encouraged by your brothers and sisters in Christ or be to become that child of God. If you have that need to respond, the opportunity is given to you. The invitation comes from God. And if we could assist you, if we could help you, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.